do 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. My name's Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 275, our last one of the new year, sweetie. Our last one of the old year, honey. Whatever. Whatever, Russ. <laughs> that was for me. Just because. Just because. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Should we, maybe for 2016, we'll come up with a different word instead of outstanding. I like outstanding. I, because I think- I it, love lamp. I love lamp. Um, because I think that you can feel good and that's good. And you can feel Rick, great. Rick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp? Or are you just saying it because you saw it? <laughs> I love lamp. I love lamp. I love lamp. You know why we said that a ton over uh, the holiday? Why? Because Cameron got a lamp for Christmas yeah. from my sister. We get done saying I So love we lamp. kept saying, I love lamp. Uh, <laughs> the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Don't forget that. Okay. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about busyness. Um, oh, I know the other thing we're going to talk about. What? Is my little thing with, with, the, the, with one of our kids. The thing with the thing? Yeah, the thing with the thing. Just connecting with your kids. Oh, okay. All right? And then a few listeners' questions. So let's get into it. What do you think? Let's do it. I want to start with our personal story. So my one daughter just started playing lacrosse. Uh-huh. And she has a phone, and she's kind of in technology. And I was taking her to lacrosse, which is about 20 minutes away. Uh-huh. And I was in dad mode, and I'm like thinking how great of a dad I am. And dad, I'm so great. And my dad, dad, I'm a great dad. I am <laughs> Were going, you thinking all those things? Yeah. I am going to connect with my daughter. I like had this expectations. It'll be 20 minutes of car time. So I can of connect straight connection. She gets in and she continues watching the show that she was watching when I said, we got to go. So all of a sudden, like I have an internal dialogue going on. I'm not saying anything. I'm not frustrated outwardly, but I'm like, oh man, like I wanted to, I wanted to connect Mm -hmm. and she didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to be a Zen parent, and I'm not going to say anything. And I'm just going to drive along, and I'm going to let her watch. I think she's watching The Voice or something. She watches uh, – lately she's been watching X Factor um, – what is it called? Where you try out? Tryouts that go really well. Oh, she really? likes that, like, surge of right. excitement. So she's watching, and, and internally I'm like, this sucks. She's on her phone too much. I'm not connecting with my daughter. These opportunities don't come very often. But I basically just, the whole 20 minutes, she just watched. And I was like, kind of not feeling good, but at the same time, like, loosen the grip. Okay. Okay. Lacrosse happens. Um, I pick her up and I start, um, and she doesn't pick up her phone. And all of a sudden, we're having a really good conversation. I'm like, now, if I would have said, get off your stupid phone and let's talk, the ride home would have been less pleasant. We like had a really good, engaging conversation. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling really good about myself. And I'm like, wow, I really am a good dad. You're like, wow, I'm so good. I'm patting myself on the back again. Okay. Good job. But then about halfway through, she gets on her phone again. Right. I'm like, oh, I was so close to having such a good story to share on the podcast. And she went back to her phone. So why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because you and I talked about this. And it was about how we... Uh, have this agenda that our kids have no awareness of, mm-hmm. and we put our agenda on our kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I, I wanted to talk about the difference between pushing and allowing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, before I get into the second part of the story, which was on the golf cart in Florida, okay, um, what do you think about how I chose to parent? Well, I think everything was fine. I think that the the scenario I gave you when you came home and told me the story is I said I, – because I, the way you just told the story is you said I, I was bummed that she was on her phone, but I just kind of let her be on the way there. But when you came home and told me, you said you were kind of annoyed. I was frustrated. So what I said to you is then why didn't you say something? And you're like, well, I'm trying to loosen the grip or whatever. And I said, but there's this middle road that we tend to forget about, which is – to be really completely honest, instead of to blame technology and say, you're on that phone too much, get off, talk to me, instead of tell them why their brain's going to you know, melt because they're on the phone, just say, hey, dude, um, I tend to Do I have to use dude. dude? No, you don't. But whatever you call her. Hey, Jace, 
um, listen, can we listen to something together mm-hmm. on, on the radio? And you can even choose, but yeah. I kind of want to be listening to something together. Yeah, I feel like there's a middle ground there that I didn't even consider. You didn't even consider that it's okay to say, I'm not going to blame your phone. I'm not going to tell you why you're doing something wrong. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. And I'm not going to force you to connect with me. Oh my gosh, that's well, a nightmare. And another option would have been to say, how about you li- you watch your voice movie or show, whatever, program, uh-huh. as long as I'm sounding like an old man. You sure do. <laughs> your voice Watch pro- your program. Watch your voice program. <laughs> from the box. From that rectangular thing <laughs> that you love so much. And then how about on the way home, we just chat. Or it, even that though, like, Todd. Wh- how do how I annoying? say it? What if right now your own father said to you, let's get in the car and let's just chat. So what do, You'd be what, like, what? What do I say? You don't, you just be. You but ju- if I be, then she's going to. Just join. Okay. Look at it this way. I need language. You, I know you do. But let me give you the, the big picture before I give you language. What you're trying to do is connect with her. And yes. you're making all these grand assumptions that we need to have this deep conversation or this conversation to connect. You can connect by listening to the same song on the radio where you're kind of just, you know, choose a song. You know, she chooses a song. Tell me about this song. Oh, yeah, I like this song. Now I'm going to play my song. Yeah. You know, like whenever we say to our kid, get off that phone, I want to talk or talk Forget to me, it. tell me you, stuff, you've, you've lost, lost them. You've lost them. It's the whole thing like when we talk about when you're going to tell your kids something serious and you sit at a table across from them and you look at them and they have to sit there and listen to you. Oh my God, it's a nightmare. But if there is a way to relax, like part of the issue, Todd, is getting in the car, which a lot of us do with this intention that I'm going to connect with my daughter and I'm such a great dad and we're going to have this great intense conversation because if she does anything but that, you somehow decide it's a failure and that you're not connecting with her. And I think we as parents do that all the time. We're like, okay, I've been busy all week. I kind of haven't been present in the house this week. So this In my brain, I'm like 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back, it's 40 minutes of quality time. And she had no knowledge of right. it. She doesn't know why I want her to get off the phone. I right. just, I, and I didn't say it, but I have been that dad. Like, get off your phone, will you please? Right. But and I didn't do it. So I was proud of myself, but yet. Well, it's just, it, it, see, I think everything we're talking about is exactly what we try and say on the show. It's all a practice. And, yeah. and as our kids get older, you've got to be more creative and you've got to change maybe what you would have said to them at nine or 10 versus our daughter's about to be 13. Like if you say to her, I want to connect to you, I want to talk to you, she's going to be like, oh my God, mm-hmm. she's going to cringe. But you don't have to give up connection. You don't have to go to all the way to the other end and say, well, she's 13. She. So my suggestion was, and I think I said this, but I'll repeat it. Honey, you're on your earphones, but I want to listen. Can we listen to something together? Um, You can choose it, but I just don't want you to be doing one thing and me another. Let's just listen to something together. Then she can share a song with you that maybe she's been listening to and be – and then again, here's another phase. There's a little feather floating in front of me. Is that pretty? I found a feather. I found a feather. A feather. Um, Is – have her play a song she likes. Say, play a song for me, something you've been listening to. And then ask her about it. This is like we kind of talked to John Duffy about this a couple months ago about be curious. Like, play me your favorite song right now. Mm-hmm. And then say, I'm going to play you one of my favorite songs yeah. after it's over. And maybe, maybe even say we only have to listen to half of it. Or yeah. my, my point is, is that don't get your head wrapped around this is the way I'm going to connect. Instead, have the intention – to be together in the car in whatever way that looks. Right. And that's kind and and also I loved what you said about I was just I just let go a little bit. You can also let go where if she gets a text, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're done with your text. Like let her I, I kind of feel like there's this back and forth. And one thing that you and I have been doing since they were very little, before they had like gadgets of technology, like when they'd just be watching a show on that box on the wall. Yeah, the actual actual television. Yeah, the actual television. When they were little, sometimes we'd say, it's time to go to bed, or you need to clean this up, or you need to do this. And then they'd say, can I watch five more minutes, or can we wait till this piece is over? And we'd say, sure. Yeah. and Soften up. And why that's important is because there's a mutual respect going on. Right. Where Instead of me saying, now, now is the time. I have watched so many parents, and this was earlier when my kids were really little, like walk in a room while their kids are watching something and turn off the TV mm-hmm. and say, get up and go do this. And Like you, Skylar, she made the waffles this morning. I said, hey, can you clean up your waffles? And she said, how about after 
Five minutes. Five minutes. And sure. he said, sure. Yeah. And again, we have to, you know, have them follow through. When I did say she have clean them, them up? She did, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, there is a sense of you've got to check on it and say, did you do this yet? And most of the time they do. Um, another idea I had as far as connecting with your kids is uh, not just share a song or share a show or share something is to actually have them teach you something. Our kids are getting old enough where they actually can't teach us. Well, they have experiences we have no idea. Well, and, you know, my two-year-old, when my kids were two, they would teach me about presence, Mm -hmm. like mindfulness, Mm -hmm. because they would walk and they would look at things with a perspective that I, my jaded old brain, no longer sees. So my kids have been teaching me since they showed up. Mm -hmm. But now they're actually at the age where they can actually teach you something like how to do something on the computer that we don't know like we're these kids are speeding ahead of us right from a certain perspective and i say that is it's one thing to share a song but to actually be the what's the word the student to your child to be curious is a completely different dynamic that i think a lot of parents might question like no 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 i'm the smart one i'm the one more mature i know what's best and if we can shift uh, out of that role for a short time, for a 20 minute, like maybe it's, you know, Cameron loves doing her PowerPoint presentations on the computer now. <laughs> like, show me how you do all that. Right. Be curious to your point. Just be curious. Yeah. And and there doesn't have to be time limits on it. Like, again, I this was just coming into my head as you were saying this. When we're with our children, it goes back to, you know, my friend Annie's book from so many years ago, Soul to Soul. It's not roll to roll. If you approach everything as I'm the parent, I know everything, they know nothing, I need to teach them, then you've already lost that ability to connect. And going back to the idea of walking in a room and shutting off the TV or yanking the video game out of their hand, you have just disconnected and they can't hear you. So what you think you've done is you've come in and you're like, I'm in control. This is my power play. Mm -hmm. But really what you've done is shut down any kind of communication or their ability to hear you. Do they then go to their room and not play a video game? Okay. Well, maybe you got that need met, but they also now consider you an enemy Mm -hmm. and they also don't want to hear what you have to say versus saying, when is that game done or how much more time do you have left? Oh, I have four minutes. I have five minutes. Like our kids sometimes will say I have 30 minutes and we're like, sorry. Yeah, sorry. You know, yeah, there's boundaries. it needs to be in between somewhere between five and 10 minutes. But when you're done, please go finish this, blah, blah, blah. And there is, again, it's a mutual respect. We have to remember that our kids learn how to talk to us and talk to others by the way we communicate with them. So I know that for those of you who have a more authoritarian outlook on raising children, this somehow feels to you like permissiveness. Please understand that if you go after your kids and try and control what they're doing all the time, that is the way they will interact with you and the world. And I think that's the big piece of self-awareness or being more conscious that we are now starting to understand with children. You know, like if we didn't already before, I, th- I think we've always known yeah. this, but we we kept an ideology as more important than what felt right in our body. Right. And I think that's the big shift now is instead of following in ideology or instead of saying, well, I'm doing this because my parents did this or because, you know, I need to be in control. It's how do I stay connected to my kids? Mm-hmm. How do I relate to them so they can hear me? And how do I create a mutual respect between us? Well, and a lot of it is perspective too. And uh, I don't know if this came from John Duffy or whoever, but um, the bedroom, I used to struggle with bedrooms all the time. Like if it's a freaking nightmare. And the... Are you talking about messiness? Yes. Okay. And... Um, Think how big the earth is. <laughs> they have a room. If, if your kids are lucky enough to have their own room, I'm, I've now gotten to the point, it's funny, now that I don't care, they all keep their room clean. Isn't that funny? Whereas before, yeah. I did care, and it was a mess. I, and I don't think that that's... I don't think that's a coincidence, or so, I do think it's a coincidence, but in the best way. So the point that I want to make is let your kid, you know, whatever version... Uh, of you, this might show up as, but just loosen the grip a little bit. Maybe they have a messy room or, you know, whatever example you can come up with, but just question, like, why is it that important? And I have, this was something that was actually taught to us by Linda. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? This is like 10 years ago. One of the things that she was saying to us, because this was, 
I think when you think about the room, we think I'm going to teach them how to take care of their space. Yep. Therefore, they need to keep it clean. Yep. But really what we're teaching them is we want them to keep their room the way we want it to be. Yep. And, and this is their room. This is their room. It's like not, in the house. It's our house, but it's their room. We have already said this is your room. Yeah. And in the house, you have to put your shoes away. You have to use the mud room. You have to clean up your dishes. But this is their space. And the happy medium that I used to say, again, this is a long time ago, but to parents who really struggled with that, was then give them at least a corner yeah, give in their corner room. That can be messy. That can be theirs. And and the thing that we don't understand is when we let go and say, yeah, it's yours, there's an ownership mm-hmm where they they eventually learn how to organize it in the way that works for them. It may not look the way you would do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like our girls' rooms are organized now in their own way, but they don't all look the same. Right. Like when you think about the amount of stuffed animals in Skylar's room that would probably drive the, a really organized person crazy, yeah. it makes her so comfortable yeah, and there's, content. There's a methodology there. There is. And, and they for all, Cameron too. They have their own. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I always think about, um, you know, Randy Pausch and his book, um, about the last lecture? Yes, the last lecture. And he talks about how one of the greatest gifts his parents gave him was the ability to draw all over the walls in his room. Mm-hmm. And he would draw rocket ships and he and he wanted he knew he wanted to be an engineer at Disney. Another good example, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Another good example in that book is that he I think he really did this. And we may have shared this in the show. He took a pop, soda pop, and he opened it up. And he poured it all over this convertible car that he just got uh-huh. on the seats. Because a kid had spilled in the car. Is that why? A kid had spilled in the car, felt awful about okay. it. And he said, let me tell you, this is a material possession. And he said, it's just it's stuff. It's just stuff. And a lot of people are like, well, there's no respect for personal property. Think of the lesson that that kid got that will never... One day, when I was six years old, my dad poured a pop all over the... Um, you know, the interior of the car. That is a lesson that will solidify into the psyche is this is just a thing. And to demonstrate, like you said, that this is just a thing, material possessions are not what's most important to me. And everybody makes mistakes. And I'm going to show you that when we make a mistake, here's how we clean it up. Like, I'm not going to leave the pop here. We're still going to clean it up. But the thing is, is we focus so much on how the external looks and we forget to teach the lessons about the internal. And how do we teach the lessons? By letting go and living it, by allowing our children to be creative, to be thoughtful, to be themselves, to organize their room the way they want, to be messy occasionally. That's the thing is I found when I was little uh, or when I was little, when the kids were really little and I was trying to quote unquote teach, you know, how to take care of your room and stuff, I felt like a hypocrite because I didn't make my bed in the morning. Yeah. And so... And again, totally. even if I did make my bed in the morning, we are they so hip- shouldn't have to. We are so hypocritical as parents. We so often teach the things that we are not doing ourselves. Take care of your body and then, you know, you don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or or make sure your stuff is, your homework is organized. and Your, your work isn't organized. Your work desk <laughs> is, I mean. Instead of saying, and again, here's the happy medium. So you don't just throw it all out and say, I'm not going to teach you any of it. You demonstrate being human. I struggle with S- this too. Some days... You're on top of things. Some days things are more difficult. Some days you get it right. Some days you get it wrong. All of that is human. That's what we want to teach our children. Not forget being organized. You can't do it. I can't do it. It's not about throwing it all out. Mm -hmm. Um, I just heard somebody say the other day, you've got to save the baby from the bathwater. Isn't that great? Save the baby from, yeah. People throw out the baby in the bathwater. Save the baby from the bathwater, meaning... You know, you want to make sure that they understand the the baby in the bathwater is what does it mean to be human? Yeah. What does it mean to connect? What does it mean to be a a person in this world instead of what does it mean to have a clean room? Right. That's that's an outside concern. That's a, you know, and, and to your point, the girls have figured out in their own way how to keep their room. And it's a non-issue now. And I'm not saying it's always 100% beautiful clean. I'm saying that- Or maybe a year from now, maybe our kid hits a different phase and all of a sudden it's messy again. Well, and they have learned, they have figured out through that process what they like. They have figured out what colors they like. They have figured out what they want to put on the walls. I, I have gone into a lot of homes where you know that the parents are decorating the kid's room the way the parents want it to look. Yeah. You know- I am choosing this pillow. I'm choosing this color. This looks good. And basically the kid's room looks like the rest of the house. One little example that I use, and I don't know how many parents would agree with this, but every now and again, I let my 
12 year old sit shotgun. Like the family's going out and I'll sit in the middle seat. And for some reason, like you sit in the middle seat, explain that again. Sit shotgun. She'll want to sit, sit, sit. <laughs> you swore. She'll want to sit shotgun. You mean she wants to sit in the front seat? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's shotgun. And I'll sit in the middle seat. Oh, you'll sit in the in the bucket seat. In the bucket seat. In the minivan. Okay. And I don't know. There's a part of me that loves doing that, and it's just one tiny way of saying, I am not more important than you, or I am not as better than you. And I think a lot of parents might be like, No, you can't i'm sitting in the front seat because i now most of the time i do but every now and again you know because my kids love sitting shotgun and you know well here's what i would say about that because i see you do that and that's not you know i don't have an issue with the actual but it's all about intention because if your intention is i'm gonna go let my daughter have the front seat so she knows i'm not better than her it doesn't feel real that feels it, real to me. Well, if what if you just went in and, and one of them said, I want to sit in the front seat? And you're like, yeah, today I don't care. I'm going to sit in the back seat. There's a... But that's um, what... that's I do that with my behavior, but my actions, right? Okay, exactly. But it is your intention... My intention is to teach them that I'm not always... So are you waking up in the morning saying, my intention is to teach this, so therefore I'm going to let my kids sit no, in the front seat? No, in the seat. moment... They'll, sometimes they'll just sneak in on the front seat <laughs> because I'm not in the car before they are. True. And I'll, whatever, I'm in the middle. And you know, even when I say that, Todd, I'm not saying the way you're doing it is wrong. I think sometimes, though, when we are, if our intention overall is to be soul to soul with our kids, those things happen naturally. Do you know what I mean? They, I do, but I kind of feel like mine do happen naturally. I'm not like waking up in the morning devising a scheme. Well, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. I think it's more of an acknowledgement. Like if I reflect back on my behaviors, how do I teach my girls certain lessons? That's one of the ways that I do it. Okay. Beautiful. And let me give you an example of something that came into my head when you said that so you understand why I'm, I'm devising this plan. One of my girlfriends, one of my really close girlfriends was telling me a story about how she was telling her daughter about being really careful about her first kiss, mm-hmm. okay? She was saying your first kiss is a really big deal. So you don't want to just give it away to anybody and you want to be thoughtful about it and you want to, you know, she was really trying to make this idea of that her daughter was going to kiss someone eventually kind of put a lot of, you know, stuff around it. And while there isn't really anything inherently wrong with that, I said to her, so she was, she did tell me then that her daughter was whatever age she is, she's older, she's in high school, and that she hasn't, or at least so she's told her mom, right. you know, who who really knows, but that she's like, no, I just, I don't want to kiss this guy. And yeah, this guy took me this dance, but I'm not going to kiss him because he's not the one. He's she's not built one. it up. She's built it up to this thing. And, but here's the most important part. Okay. I said, why did you tell her that? Because I, I know this this. Can I take woman. a guess? Yeah, but please don't here okay. on air, okay? No, not who, but why? Yeah, take a guess. Be- something about her first kiss when she was a little girl. No. Oh, okay. She did it because she wanted that information to somehow meld into her brain as a virginity thing, as oh, sex. Oh, so she's starting the lesson now about having about sex, but she's using it through the first kiss. Exactly. Got but it. here's my thing. I said, why'd you do that? Why don't you just talk to her about sex? Yeah. Like, don't try and get a message across with something that isn't really what the issue is. This is what we do as parents is we create these scenarios of I'm going to teach them this by doing A, B, C, and D, and therefore that'll equal E and F to you, but maybe it doesn't to them. Got it. And so my whole point in saying intentionality is sometimes we create these things in our head like I'm going to do this and this is what this will mean. Mm -hmm. Why not just give up the seat sometimes just for the hell of it. You right. know, why not just treat your children in a respectful way? You, I know you get this. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to You're lecture you. You're trying to use you. this story as an example. As an example of that story that she told me. And she completely kind of laughed when I said that. She's like, you're right. Like, why make the kiss? Well, it's less direct. Just it's, have it's, the conversation. It's so indirect that I think the point gets missed. Or sometimes it even gets not just missed, but like the... What you don't want them to think actually is what they end up thinking. <laughs> exactly. Like you're, this is what I call parental beating around the bush. Yeah. Just go to it. Like yeah. just talk about it. And and I'm not saying then she says that a first kiss isn't a big deal. Right. You know, depending on your history, like to your point, your mm-hmm. guess, to your history or um, the way you want her to feel about herself as a woman or the way you want her to connect with um, a, a partner. Of course, those are important things to think about. But talk about that. Right. And then also talk about 
sexuality and virginity and things that are just as important but are not exactly the same. Right. I think we believe, we tell stories, we make up creations in our head of if I do this, it'll equal this. And it doesn't always. You know? One plus one doesn't always equal two, sweetie. You're, you're right. What was that again? I we learned know. that. Remember, we well, were at some workshop. Oh, well, I mean, I know the example when one plus one equals one. Which is when? One plus one equals one, the most obvious example, because it, uh, some woman did this to question our thought processes. Yes. Because, like, of course, one it plus one equals two. It was a TED Talk. Two. Maybe it was a TED yeah, Talk. Yeah, okay. And the, the time when one plus one equals one is when you have a stick of chewing gum. And then let's say you have a stick of chewing gum. Yes. And then all of a sudden we give it to our third daughter. It's kind of grotesque. Yes. And put both chewing gums together and then she chews the gum or it doesn't matter who does it. It's just one big wad of chewing gum. It, correct. So you have two different pieces of gum, but it ends up being one. So one plus one doesn't always equal two. And why that example is important is someone will say, well, you know, that's not math or whatever. It's about us being so sure yeah. that certain question things... Question your certainty. Question your certainty. Be curious. I wanted to read something because I know you're going to move on to something else. Okay. Is that okay? I certainly want to move on to something else, but that's all right. I, I over this uh, holiday, Todd and I were, when we were on vacation, um, I read a lot of books and one of them that I... I'm still working on the one that I was reading, by <laughs> yes. the way. Yes. Well, I brought a bunch of books with me and I said, because I had bought them over the last six months. It was like months. Tuesday. She's like, oh, finish that one. I'm still like struggling through one chapter of my book. I speed read and you read really slow. And I don't mean because your skill level, you choose to read every word. And I am a skimmer. Put them up. Put them up. What does that have to do with it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's right, dude. I don't read slow. So one of the books that I, but I don't mean that as a criticism. I know. I'm just kidding. Just messing with you. One of the things that I, uh, one of the books I read is one of Anna Quinlan's books where it's, uh, it was from like 10 years ago. It's called Loud and Clear. And basically it's a bunch of her columns put together and she's one of my favorite writers and one of my inspirations. And so I hadn't read this one yet. So I spent a lot of time reading it. And this quote is from one of her most popular columns. Um, And so you may have heard this before, but I underlined it and said, this is so important. And this is regarding, you know, the bedroom, telling them how to be, um, thinking we're teaching them how to be. This is great. So this is Anna Quinlan's quote. When they were very small, I suppose I thought someday they would become who they were because of what I'd done. Now I suspect they simply grew into their true selves because they demanded in a thousand ways that I back off and let them be. Allow. That's it. Allow. We think we're creating them like a Frankenstein monster. Like I'm going to give you like this sculpt- information. Like a sculpture. Like you a get sculpture. This, this piece of clay. That's probably better than a Frankenstein monster. Yeah. <laughs> Sculpture. Like we, and maybe in some of that is true because people who are like, what was that? Uh, was it the David um, where he said it was already in? Yeah, just needed to be. He, he saw it. He just needed it. Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci? I get those oh, two guys mixed gosh. up. I think Michelangelo did the painting, did this, the chapel, right? This doesn't matter. Who we cares? don't know. It's history. We can Google it. It's one of those Italian guys. Um, but anyway, that, you, you know, maybe there's some things we help them and support them and chipping away, but they're already there. Yeah. And we think we're creating them, but they are already there. And so we can stop telling them how to be mm-hmm. and just support them in becoming who they are. And that shift, that intention shifts everything. And one more thing that I just read, and I can't, I don't even know who to attribute it to. Because, you can attribute it to me. Okay. I'm not going to do that. But I will say that I just read a quote about sometimes we have to have a sense of neutrality with our children. And what that means is we are neutral about, I mean, again, with this within that they're being safe and yeah. all that kind of thing, who they are. When they make a choice that to choose a different color that you don't like or when they choose a sport that you've never seen or, or done or when they like a baseball team that you've never been interested in, we are neutral about it. Mm-hmm. That is their world. We, we don't look at them and say, you are successful, therefore I am a good parent. Right. We are neutral about that. We, what were the, I mean, if there's anybody that can be neutral for our children, like – Neutral meaning we love them no matter what. Right. That's what the word neutrality may sound like a negative word to some people. I mean it as who you are is good with me. Your essence. Yes. And that I am here to support you in in becoming even fuller whole right. of yourself. 
And when that is your intention, you change everything in the way you interact. Sweetie, we're not here to be perfect. No, we're not. We're here to be whole. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Yeah. Dorothy Dish. Who's Dorothy Dish? From Four uh, Three Amigos. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that a quote? Yeah, Dorothy Dish. Who's Dorothy Dish? It's when Martin Short is on the stairs with all the Mexican family members there. Yeah. And he just says this ridiculously stupid story that has no point. <laughs> and he goes, true story, Dorothy Dish. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'll find it. So what about the turtle? Um, what about Ned? Two of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. If you want to get adjusted from Dr. Kelly the way I am, go to chirotree.com. And if you want to get your teeth cleaned and have your kids' teeth straightened, uh, in the proper way, go to John J. Kelly Dentistry, and that's uh, chicagodentistonline.com. So Dr. Dr. Kelly, the chiropractor, is chirotree.com. Dr. John Kelly, the dentist, is um, Chicago Dentist. Two Dr. Kellys. Online.com. Sweet, did you hear me say what about the turtle? What's What about the turtle? Three Amigos, the turtle. What? You remember the turtle that says, good night, oh, Ned. Good night, Ned. Yes, that's awesome. I didn't know that that's what you're referring to. Yes, the turtle. Um, and I forgot to talk about our motto which is important, sweetie. Oh. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Correct. Um, so I want to just talk real briefly about this uh, blog I, re- I read, some guy named Scott Dannemiller, and it's called Busy as a Sickness. And it's all about how we use busyness as a badge of honor. And we love to talk about how busy we all are. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so how true. are you? Like, uh Oh, I'm so busy. And then the other person will say, oh, I'm so busy too. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> Just, we're so busy. We love to reinforce everyone's busyness. So one day a guy, so this guy, Scott, wrote this and he's like, some uh, some guy said, oh, really? What do you have going on today? And he was taken aback. He's like, oh my gosh. What do I have going on? So he went through the laundry list of things that he had going that day. And the guy's response was, sounds like a full day. Have fun. And it's, you know, he was like... In the moment, he was like offended. Didn't you hear me? I'm busy. Just have mercy on me. I'm yeah. busy. Like this is feel not, sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. And he just talks about how uh, that was an interesting kind of perspective shift. Yeah. yeah. Like first of all, most of the things, as I told you on the way to yoga this morning, most of the things that we do, mm-hmm. we choose to do. Correct. We choose to have babies. Correct. We choose to put them in gymnastics. We choose to have a job that we go to. We, I mean, unless you're in jail, you kind of choose. We're choosing our life. And I don't think we give that idea enough credit. But we're jailed in our brain. We're jailed in our brain. Remember the story about the, the tanks in our brain? No. What are you talking about? This is good. No, this I'm is sure it is. I just, I don't know what you're talking about. There was a woman that I saw speak at, at a conference a while ago, and she was in uh, Berlin when the wall came down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was, whoever, wherever she was standing, mm-hmm. she was there as an American watching this historic event, and she was around all these people who were watching. And what she heard them say is, we're free this is what I'm going to now do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to this coffee shop that I was never able to go to. I'm going to go visit this family. I'm going to go. They were just, they realized that now that the tanks were gone and the wall was down, they were free. Yeah. And they their whole lives changed. And she realized that she has tanks in her brain. Yes. That she's been that free since birth. Right. But she... Because to your point that you just said, you know, we choose to put our child in gymnastics. Well, I have to put them in gymnastics because if I don't put them in gymnastics, then they won't be able to be in cheerleading. And if I don't put them in cheerleading, they won't be able to have friends. And then tanks created stories and scenarios. Stories created in our head because we're not parenting in the present moment. Correct. parenting in the future. Correct. And I'm not saying then you don't do it. Right. I'm saying figure out a way to do it where it doesn't overcome your life and become just a source of busyness rather than a pleasure for everyone involved. Because a lot of times it's a pleasure for nobody. Yeah. And we're doing it because of the tanks. Like a social construct. At the end of this blog, it's really good. Okay. For the past month, this is the writer's note, for the past past month I've tried to my best to eliminate the word busy. Remember on last week's show you eliminated the word laziness? Correct. Um, he eliminated the word busy from his vocabulary. The result, question mark, I feel lighter. Now when people ask how things are going, I just say, life is full. What works for you? 
Lovely. Life is full. And I love, actually, that last statement, like you said, we were talking about this in the car, and Todd was saying how that shift from saying, I'm so busy, to it sounds like you have a full day, helps Todd feel better. And I said to him, I actually saying I have a full day makes me still feel just as uncomfortable right. <laughs> that I don't like to fill up an entire day. I, that Sometimes an entire day ends up being full, but maybe those were present mo- uh, moment choices. Right. And that to me is flow. Right. I, I don't mind. It's not that I want to lie on the couch and watch TV all day. It's that I don't want to be told what to do all day. Right. And so there's this sense of being in flow with the moment where the end of the day, it felt so good and full, mm-hmm. but not full on obligation. I have this quote, uh, this Mary Pfeiffer quote um, in my meditation area that says, um, today I will do what I always do, but with less heaviness and obligation. Yeah. Because... W- and what that means is I love my work. I love being a parent. I love being a spouse. I love living where I live. But I, the but is a lot of times all of those things end up being feeling heavy because of obligation. Right. And instead, I'm going to enjoy those things with less heaviness and obligation. And what that looks like for me is going to be different for other people. But that quote reminds me that when you need a break, take a break have appreciation, be grateful for this moment. It means it triggers something in me that shifts the way I deal with things. Yeah. So. Like it. Thank you. Um, listener question? Um, sure. Yes. You look the like reason you that I was debating else. is because I had um, something else about downtime. But did we talk about downtime? I don't know. I thought maybe that's what we were discussing today. Mm, well, busyness is the opposite of downtime, isn't it? Yeah, maybe that's it. And and instead of kind of diving into this whole thing, I'll just finish with this quote. Um, and it is a quote. It's a Victor Hugo quote. To contemplate is to toil. Do you mm. know what toil means? Toil means like you're messing around, but you're not getting anything done. It actually means to work hard. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. Toil, the definition. To contemplate is to toil. To think is to do. Why that's so important to understand is contemplation is where everything's created. Contemplation necessitates downtime. Contemplation is where creativity begins and your imagination takes hold and you figure out how to handle things. You figure out how to deal with with what's going on in your life and you also figure out how to maybe look at things differently or how to deal with some future issue. You're contemplating. That is the hard work to think is to do it. So we think about... Um, I'm confused. Really? So are you supposed to do both of these two of things? Of course. So you have to. You need to compl- con- uh, contemplate. That's the hard work. Is the work. To to think is to do. To, do, to get it done. So step one, contemplate. Step two... Think about it and figure out how you're going to do it. Oh, all right. But you need my... The the point of this quote for me, yeah. and again, other people might hear it and say, that doesn't mean anything to me. Because yeah. remember, quotes are an artistic expression. And so one person can read it and get something completely different out of it. Beauty or not. is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. So this quote was meaningful to me because contemplation is not respected. We, we actually hold contemplation and contempt. You know, the whole idea of I need to just sit on this and process this and let this kind of bubble up and figure this out and kind of, you know, maybe meditate on it or put it aside and just kind of, you know, we want it done. Take care of it. Do it. You know, do the to-do. Sweetie, remember that part in The Fugitive where Tommy Lee Jones is like getting mad at his fellow officer because he's just standing there like staring at something? He <laughs> goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm thinking. Uh-huh. He goes, oh, as long as you're thinking, go get me a donut with some of those sprinkles on top, as long as you're thinking. He said, go think me up a donut. Think me up. Think me up a donut with some of those sprinkles. Tommy Lee Jones. He's so good in that movie. Well, and here's a funny story from my own family, which always makes me laugh. My mom um, told me that when we were young and she was doing the busy mom thing, sometimes she would just find my dad sitting in a chair. Yeah. And he she'd be like what are you doing like look at me i'm all over the place what are you doing and he's like i'm thinking about our future and she would be like oh my gosh you know annoyed because yeah. like and and it's funny because my dad in um on his desk when when he used to work he had the thinker yeah. you know like yeah. the guy with the yeah. with the hand under his chin he that's a big part of who he is he was a big 
he was a really, uh, and when I say he was, I just mean like he doesn't work yeah. in the, you know, he's still here with us. But he he uh, also took a lot of time to process life. He always took people out to lunch so they could like get away from work and then return to it with a fresh mind. Yeah. He always felt that time away helped you do your job better mm. in whatever way that looked. And I really appreciate that because I grew up with that. And again, there were times that it drove my mom crazy and yeah. I can understand, you know, if someone's just sitting there and you're working. So it's kind of a joke. But I also feel like that is not respected right. in our culture today, that we just want quick results. We want it done. We want it completed so we can move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And what is the next thing? Well, the other example is from a stock market standpoint, um, the value of a company is based on its stock and the stock is based on quarterly returns. Correct. So if they, if a company like let's say Costco does something that they're, it's going to hurt their bottom line for the next two or three years, a company at Costco will actually do it because it's, they're thinking about seven long years term ahead, gains, long yes. term. Whereas most of us are like short, quick, short, right. has to, I need to see immediate results. Right. And that's what has gotten us into some, problematic issues around the world and our lives. And that was the the uh, quote that I read to you from that other book, that one that Jessica got me about, this one I love, you guys. I'm gonna, we'll talk about it on a show. It's called 101 Reasons to Get Up in the Morning. But one of the quotes was talking about success and how, and this is really big for Todd and I, is redefining success. Because right now, success is so based around economics yeah. that we have no connection to ethics and integrity. Yeah. We are like, well, yeah, that would be the ethical, you know, I would be in my integrity if I did that, but the bottom line wouldn't look right. What? Well, Nat- you know, we're missing it. Isn't it uh, Native American? They had the idea. Did they come up with the seven generations idea? Like the only reason you should do something is if in seven generations from now, it impacts them positively. It will be a good thing. And, you know, talk about pollution and everything else. Oh my and gosh. short term, it's going to cost too much to run the factory in a more efficient manner. And we don't have the time to think about how to do it. Yeah. I have had so many people say to say that to me in business situations, or parents say that to me. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that would be good for my kid, but we don't have time to do it. What? Yeah. Like, and again, I keep saying what, but my question is that's where we need to stop and contemplate. And toil. (laughs) Like, how do we do this better? How do we imagine our lives differently? And actually, this is, this sounds like a total sales thing, but this is uh, Rita. Have you talked about Rita already? I've got to concentrate. concentrate. (laughs) I've got to concentrate. concentrate, concentrate. I know you said contemplate, but it made me think of that. Hello. Hello. Echo. 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 the reason why I thought Let's of Rita. Let's talk about Rita. So Rita is one of our um, our friend, but she's one of our sponsors for the um, Let's Get Real conference in March. Let's get real, real. I want to get real. Let's get real. And the reason I thought of her is because one of the things she does in January, which Todd's going to tell you about, is her, what's it called? It's the It's My Year 2.0 Life Mastery Course. And a big piece of what she does in this, and again, I want her to you know go to her website, which is... RitaHighland.com. And check it out. But It'll it, be in the show notes, too. It, it's about taking that time to put together what you're doing and what your value system really is. Like... You say you want all these things or you want life to be this way, but you're not taking any time mm-hmm. to decide if this is how to get that done or if this is what you really want. We are too busy. So go ahead and talk about Rita's stuff. Shatter your limits. Uh, click here to live the live, bold, rich, and fulfilled life. Um, so it's it's my year. What are you looking at me for? I have no idea what you just said. I'm just live reading a, a few one? a few taglines that she okay. has on her on her website. That's all, sweetie. Okay. So live a, a full, bold life. Bold, rich, rich, okay. and fulfilled. Okay. Shatter your limits. Okay. If you want to shatter your limits, you go to RitaHighland.com. She's really good. She is she really, is really good. good. And um, if there's any other businesses or companies out there, we have a few spots left to sponsor and have a booth at the Zen Parenting Radio or Zen Parenting Conference. Yeah, and you gotta if you're if you're really thinking about sponsoring, jump on right now because we're starting to get into more of the logistical nitty, nitty gritty yeah. of it because we've got you know it's three months away and it's so, actually less than three months. Oh away. my gosh, is it really? No, because it's well, March 11th and 12th, January, uh, February, one, March. So a month from now will be January 29th. Um, two months from now will be March 29th. Oh, crazy. So we are about 10 weeks away. 
Oh my gosh, that scares me a little bit in a good way. Yeah, that's a good fear. Um, but I'm so excited, and we're starting to you know get all the details together. So if you really want to jump in, jump in now so you get the full um, treatment. Yeah, you know. And if you want to register just to attend the conference, yes. that's a good idea. And go to zengetsreal.com. And please register and tell your friends and spread the word because it is going to be a transformational couple of days. Um, and then our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. Correct. Avidco.net. And then uh, I'm going to do a little plug for my retreat. Uh, I do a, I co-facilitate a men's group called The Tribe. Uh, the website is thetribemensgroup.com. It's hap- we're having our third annual unplug, unwind, and recharge retreat. So if there's any men out there who want to um, unplug, unwind, and recharge, uh, go to thetribemensgroup.com. It's a great retreat. And there's even a little video there. One of the guys, Sean, uh, uh, did a video for us. So it kind of gives you an indication of the types of activities that we do. So it's going to be really good. And then my coaching practice. I'm about a third of the way through this uh, Tony Robbins uh, coaching thing. And I think I have my first client in the next few weeks. Kind of crazy. So if you're interested at all, uh, I think my specialty is going to be parenting, relationship, and money. Finance. Finance. So if you're interested, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Um, so am I answering a listener question? No, we ran out of time. Oh. Next week. All right. Next Sorry, week. listener. Sorry, listener. Well, we didn't even make any promises. Okay. So uh, what else, sweetie? Um, you know, that's I, – I kind of feel like because you always say what's your uh, words of wisdom. Yeah, what is your words of wisdom? It's, that's usually after I've like thrown out a ton of words of wisdom and I have to like – or what I perceive as wisdom and I have to like kind of pull it all together. I, I just believe that um, – we get to choose, you know, you guys are going into 2016. And if you can take some time and put some space back into your life, maybe recognize how often you do say you're busy and and is that necessary? And is that most important? Um, I found that um, every time there's a crisis in our lives, everything stops. Mm -hmm. And we have to go to that crisis and deal with that crisis, just like all families do. And you realize while you were dealing with that crisis, the world went on. You didn't have to post that thing on social networking. Right. You didn't have to call that person. Crisis are wonderful priority makers. They are. They are, as uh, I think I heard Glennon Melton say one time, they are like Siths. They are strainers. Sith lords? Not Sith lords. We didn't talk about the Star Wars movie. Da, 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 da. That's enough. That, just, okay. Just... Well, well, we will talk about that movie at some point because we did see it and we didn't take our kids. But then Todd took the girls yesterday. But anyway, it's like a strainer. It's like where everything kind of sifts through and whatever is still caught is what's most important. And all that other stuff that isn't important just kind of sifts through. That's what crisis does for us. It makes us figure out where we want to focus. What about that little thing that has, I think it's a sifter for powdered sugar. Yeah, I and love you, that. Yeah, and You'd you, like, oh, click, 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 click yeah. with your hand. Don't you hate it when you're like, there's like a cooking show and they always have like everything ready and available to them. Totally. And when I look at those shows, I just think, there's no way I would have that tool in my kitchen. Well, I, but there's no way that think about the amount of shot like I'm not going to have this spice. I'm not going to have this chopped up cilantro. You have to go get it. They make it seem so easy and they're lying to me. You know it's why? It's not that easy. Because it is a priority for them for so they have that and they don't understand why someone wouldn't have a sifter. I actually um We don't have any room to put our pots and pans. I know. Much our less small. a sifter. I so, um on social networking I liked a page it's called D I, why, do it yourself, yeah. and it shows you how to cook things really fast. It makes it look so easy. It's it not that does. easy. It does, and, and as I watch, I think the same thing. I'm like, I don't have one of those. Oh, don't <laughs> have one of those. So I love watching it. I just know it may not happen. And then you, like, sit there, and you, like, it takes you an hour to, like, go shopping and get everything ready, and then I eat it in, like, three minutes. It's like, really? Was that worth it? Well, see, because you're looking at the outcome versus the process. See, Process people, sucks. No, to you. To me. Because there are people who love to cook who it is like they're, it's, you know how I like to read a book or to find information or to, you know, and I'm like in, in heaven. And a lot of people would say, well, you're just, look, just get the information and move on. Yeah. I like the process. Yeah. People who like to cook, they are relaxed by it. Mm. So they, and they also then can share it with love. Like here's something I made yeah. and you're going to enjoy it, you know, but I, I'm with you, Todd. I'm not a cook at heart. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. That was my tournament of bad. Which one? Just how they make it look so easy. Yeah. They're it, liars. They it's not that easy. It. They're not liars. They're good at what they do. 
Um, so last one in 2015. So uh, 2016, here we come. It's like that part in Boogie Nights. Goodbye, 70s. Hello, 80s. <laughs> That's right. Remember there's like a big banner on there? I do. I do. And, and what's he... his name? Tries to kiss uh, Marky Mark? Scott. Scotty. Scotty. <laughs> Scotty. His shirt didn't fit. <laughs> you know, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. He will rock you. He will roll you. Baby, don't you know. You know, he... that was hard for Mark Wahlberg because he can sing and he had to pretend yeah. he couldn't sing. And John that's C. Like, Riley can sing too. Yeah, and that's like me. I could sing, well, but I'm pretending not to. Okay. Baby, don't you know my he will feel you. Why don't show. you just play it so people can hear it? That'll uh, take too long. All right. Well, we'll we'll play Boogie Nights music next time. Okay, Sorry. everybody, have a good week. Adios. That's our show, friends. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes, and while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com, or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the Send Us a Voice Message link on our homepage with comments or questions. Don't forget, our Zen Parenting Conference is on March 11th and 12th, 2016, For more details, go to zengetsreal.com. If you're interested in any of Kathy's three award-winning books, you can purchase through our website or through Amazon. We also do local presentations, virtual retreats, and movie screenings, which can be found by clicking on the Events tab on our webpage. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to thetribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Finally, we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.